your Bible open to Daniel 3, we're going to be going slowly through it this morning, actually fast through it this morning. And if you're new to Manoa Community Church, why are we in the book of Daniel? You might have been invited and said, hey, we're going through the Hall of Faith. If you saw those cards um, in the pews in front of you, and we'll have a slide here as well. The Hall of Faith is Hebrews chapter 11, which is in the New Testament. But in the Hall of Faith, we go through various characters, the author writes about all these characters in the Old Testament and their faith and what is commendable about their faith for us. And we've camped out of verses 32 and 33, and now we're just sneaking on to verse 34 this morning, where it talks about those who quench the flames of the fire, and that refers to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so this is a story in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, where they are thrown into the fiery furnace for not bowing their knee to a golden statue. And so I'm going to be reading the story and giving you some principles for your own fire-quenching faith today. And just to get us started, please put Hebrews 11 on the screen. I'll read this to you, and then I will also read out of Daniel chapter 3. So it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, those are the judges, of David, King David, and the prophet Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. And we looked at Daniel yesterday, or last Sunday. And today, verse 34, quench the power of fire, referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're going to pick things up in chapter 3, and I'm going to read the first six verses now just to get us started in this story and pray for us with a sermon entitled, Fire Quenching Faith. Follow along, beginning in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth, 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, Lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Fire quenching faith. Let's pray. Well, Father God, as we open your perfect word this morning, we pray that you would open up our hearts this morning. As we look at the faith of these great saints of old, Lord, and their courage to stand up against an evil law, to bow down and worship a false image, Lord, I pray that this strange command would find its way into our modern ears and we would see our own application today, Lord, where we are feeling pressured to disobey you in ways that are contrary to your word and have the same courage as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand firm regardless of the outcome, like their fire-quenching faith, that we would trust you 
regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice, to follow you, Lord Jesus. Give us this faith, we pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the morning of Thursday, May 18th of this year, CBS News reports the following. Phoenix mom, Claudia Jimenez, woke up to find flames ripping through her apartment. This is word from word from the news report. With the front door blocked by the blaze, she and her two young daughters were trapped. All she could do was call for help. I opened my window and I started yelling, please, someone help me. There's a fire. I can't get out. Through the front, I need someone to help me. And even before the firefighters arrived, help came from an unlikely place. Joe Hollins, who is homeless, and his wife were camped out near Claudia's apartment, and when they heard the screams, he ran to help. All I see is a lady pull open the window, and she's screaming, please help me, please help me, Joe said. He got under the window and told her to drop her two children to him. He was right underneath, and he was like, yes, throw your daughters out. I'm going to catch them. I'm going to catch them, Claudia recalled. First went one-year-old Valerie. Next up was eight-year-old Natalie. Then she threw out the family's two dogs. Joe safely caught each and every one of them. But when it was her turn, Claudia froze. She didn't want to come at first. She was scared she was going to fall, Joe said. I was like, I got you. Don't worry. Claudia finally made the jump and landed safely in Joe's arms. The fire department soon arrived to fight back the flames, and as things calmed down, the grateful family said they owe Joe their lives. Quote, I will forever be thankful to him, you know. Like I said, to me, he was an angel, Claudia said. Because of him, we're here, we're alive, and my daughters are safe. Fire. Fire is a scary, powerful force in the world. I was looking earlier in my study on Monday for illustrations of fire. I found this news article, and then the rest of the week, all of a sudden, the smoke of Canada descended upon Philadelphia. Lest you think that fire is uncontrollable and can take us all out, we need not look any farther than the northern borders and say, fires are powerful. They're uncontrollable. We're praying for rain because we cannot quench that fire. And so as we get to this spot in Hebrews chapter 11 and then look back at the original story in Daniel chapter 3 of this faith to quench fire, it is overwhelming, just as overwhelming as the power to part the Red Sea, right? This is amazing to see the miracle of God where, as we saw at the public reading of Scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are threatened with fire, still obey God despite this threat, and then are delivered from the fire after they are cast into the fiery furnace. So I've called today's sermon in light of Hebrews 11, fire quenching faith. And I want to look at three ways we see their faith operate out of chapter three in Daniel, where we can apply it to our own life in 2023 as well. Can you please put them on the screen? First, fire quenching faith worships God alone. We'll see that in verses 7 through 12. Secondly, anticipates deliverance. That's verses 13 to 18. And thirdly, finds Christ in the heat, verses 19 to 26. So if you're taking notes, let's begin with our first point, worships God alone, beginning in verse 7 where we picked up our reading. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people's 
nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. First, fire-quenching faith worships God alone. Now, last week, we looked at the life of Daniel, and his story in the lion's den actually follows this chronologically, but they have been elevated with their friend Daniel. These are four Jewish believers, four Jewish individuals who are living out of Jerusalem, out of their hometown, into exile in Babylon. And so Babylon has defeated the Israelites, has defeated Judah, and now they have been raising these men from their youth in Babylon and trying to assimilate them into Babylonian culture and into worshiping their gods. And they have been amazingly resistant. They refuse to change their dietary practices according to the law of Moses. And Daniel interprets a dream for the king that gets him and them all elevated to high positions of power. But here in chapter 3, we're introduced to King Nebuchadnezzar, who now builds this golden statue, this image made of gold. And we're told in cubits how big that is. We don't think in cubits. So it's about 90 feet tall, all right, and nine feet wide. So if you're picturing just like a little statue, I mean, it's higher, higher than the ceiling right now, all right? It is a huge golden image. And they're to bow down to this golden image every time the music in the band plays as, a, as homage to the, the gods of Marduk. Likely this is the god Marduk. We get that from Babylonian history that there was literally outside of biblical texts a golden image that was erected. And this is an amazing time in Babylonian history. King Nebuchadnezzar is kind of like the King Solomon of Babylon. This is their golden era. This is their golden age. They have huge building projects. One of the seven wonders of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, I have a picture of it here, was constructed during this era under Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Now, this is just a recreation of what it likely looked like, but this is one of the huge wonders of the world. One of the largest and most important libraries in all of human history. History was also in Babylon. There are great construction and great building projects going on in Babylon in this era as these four Jewish believers are also put into high positions of power. You can take the picture back down. And so just to give you a sense of what is going on, and there are many nations now living under Babylonian rule, at least 20 nations. So when they say that all peoples and all nations and all languages are to bow down to the image, it's because there's various countries and people groups now living and including the Jewish people in Babylon. And so they erect a God statue to Marduk made out of gold and say, you must bow down and worship this statue. Now, if that sounds bonkers, if that sounds crazy, I mean, I was thinking about that. I was like, what kind of nation would build big statues and then have people bow down? And who would really do something like that? And as I was trying to find any kind of modern day equivalent of statues that are tall like that, I stumbled upon this picture actually, and it's a legitimate picture from North Korea. 
Right now, in 2023, this is the Manzaday Monument in North Korea. And do you see the crowd there bowing before their leaders because they do worship their leaders in North Korea? By the way, that statue is only 66 feet tall. So add an extra 30 feet to it, and that will help you understand what is going on in Babylon in this era. And human beings, we succumb to pressure. We succumb to peer pressure. When we see everybody else bow down, there is a temptation to get our knees on the ground quickly and fast. And so they are surrounded by everybody else. And by the way, this threat is not an empty threat. It's not like bow down or we'll lock you up. It's bow down or we'll burn you and destroy you. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow before the statue. Their resolve to worship God alone is courageous and heroic. Some might look at it and say it's a little bit absurd. Why are they so fiercely devoted to not bowing to any other images? Well, if you know your Ten Commandments in your biblical history, the second great command is to have no graven images, right? To have no other images and not to bow down to them. So this is one of the top ten things believers are never to do. By the way, that's still binding on the Christian conscience today. You don't make graven images and we don't bow down to them today as well. And so they know that. And by the way, in their Bible stories, they remember when Moses went to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments and Aaron took all of their gold and threw it to the fire and came out with a golden calf and they started to bow down to that. It didn't go so well for them. They know these stories and they're not gonna make those same mistakes today, even far from home, even in Babylon. They have power, political power, they have influence, but they will not use it to bow their knee to a false God. Fire quenching faith worships God alone. And under this first point, I want to challenge us, brothers and sisters. Now, we live in a pluralistic society just like they do, right, in Babylon. And it's not as though, again, they are necessarily trying to legislate that everybody has to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's not what they're doing. But what they are doing is saying, even though y'all are going to worship your other gods, we will only worship the one true God of Israel. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to walk that line as well, where we refuse to bow to any other gods or any other practices that make us compromise our beliefs, especially in who God is and how he wants you and I to live. Now, I think it's telling too, now Daniel does this by himself, what courage alone, but I think it's powerful that there's three of them. And just the importance of having somebody to your left and to your right that will support you in your faith. And before we move on to our second point, I want to ask you, Christian, do you have somebody at work to your left and to your right who can hold you up and hold you accountable when all the knees hit the floor? To our teenagers in the hallways of your school, when everybody is celebrating things that God opposes, do you have somebody to your left and to your right that will hold you up and hold you accountable and pray for you? We need brothers and sisters on our left and our right. We need that community around us. And it's a gift of God that the three of them had each other in that time. Amen. For me, I got saved at the end of high school and then found quickly a group of believers in high school, and then went to college. And usually college is a time where our faith is chewed up and spit out, right? 
But I had the wherewithal to say, I can't do this alone. And I found other Christians in my college, and we formed a community together. We literally almost formed like a Christian frat house on 35th and Hamilton. It's called 3500. I mean, we took over the whole old mansion there, unit by unit. It was turned into lots of units. And through Christian parties, it became our base of operations. But it also became our many church to support us and protect us against all the onslaught of the enemy in the world. You need a Shadrach, Meshach next to you, Abednego. And by the way, that's not even their original names. Do you remember that? They were, they were given those names by Babylon to try to write, wipe out their identity. But they won't forget who they are. and They won't forget where they came from. We must remember whose we are. We belong to God, where we came from. We must remember that we were baptized into Christ. We belong to Jesus and we belong to one another. And we will not bow the knee under any pressure. No matter what instruments are played, no matter what commands, no matter what consequences, we will stand for Jesus and we will worship and bend the knee to Jesus alone. Amen? Fire-quenching faith first worships God alone. Secondly, fire-quenching faith anticipates deliverance. Anticipates deliverance. Picking things up in verse 13 to 18. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Fire-quenching faith anticipates deliverance. He says, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. They anticipate God's deliverance. Now this is great courage. It's one thing not to bow the knee with all the social pressures next to you and everyone looking over as an informant to tell the king. It's another thing to be ushered into the presence of the king and be given an opportunity to recant, right? They're brought into the king. He says, I'm gonna give you another shot. We'll play the instruments again. If you bow, I'll let you go. But if not, the fiery furnace awaits. He said, we don't even need time to think about this, king. We are not going to bow our knee to that statue. God can deliver us. But listen to this. He says, and even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will still not bow our knee to that golden image. They anticipate God's deliverance. Now, that's amazing faith. That they actually, because there's no stories prior to this of fiery, you know, being saved from the fires, right? And so it's not like, oh, it's just like this other. No, this is like they're anticipating God to deliver them somehow that they don't know how. But I love how even this, they kind of hedge and say, and if not, rather be burned. Rather be burned than bow my knee to that statue. 
What courage. I said earlier with that picture of North Korea, the social pressure in countries to conform is so powerful that we want to follow the herd. I found this other image. This is a, a picture from Nazi Germany. Have you guys ever seen this picture? This is powerful. Do you see the circle individual with the man who's crossing his arms? Now, for some of our youth who might not know what this is, this is the Sieg Heil. I can't say that in German, uh, but that's the Hail Victory. And whenever they said, Sieg Heil, you know, everyone lift their arms and everybody had to do. It was out of conformity. And, and so there was an individual, we're still not fully sure who this person is. We've got it down to maybe one or two people. There's one August Landmesser who's thought to be this individual because he was married to a Jewish woman, or there's also Gustav Weigart, who was a Christian, and his family insists this was our great-grandfather who was a strong believer and refused to owe allegiance to anybody but God himself. Either way, the courage to do this in the midst of that, and you think, oh, just, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand and you'll be okay. Just lift your hand. no. When Christians lift their hands, they capitulate. When Christians lift their hands, the devil wins. When Christians lift their hands, there's devastation. And in that time, again, we have to face ourselves. The social pressure to lift your arm, to bow the knee, is so irresistible. But that's the kind of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are commended for in Hebrews 11. And that's the kind of faith, brothers and sisters, that we are called to exercise today. We're not to be taken captive by the powerful leaders in Germany, North Korea, or the United States of America. We are not to conform nor to compromise. And if we face consequences, we should anticipate God's deliverance. Now, the first person who is thought to have done this, uh, who was married to a Jewish woman, he did not survive. And so the, the question becomes, should I expect that the flames will take me down or will I be preserved like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And last week we looked at the life of one of the saints who was thrown to the lions and in a similar way, I want to look at one of the church fathers. His name is Polycarp of Smyrna who was killed for his faith in 155 A.D., the way that he was killed was being burned alive. And he says the following as he was told to recant his faith in Jesus Christ. This is one of the leaders of Myrna, he said, or Smyrna. He says, 80 and six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? You threaten me with a fire that burns an hour and is soon quenched. For you are ignorant of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment stored up for the ungodly. And then he goes and he prays before he is killed. Father, I thank you that you have deemed me worthy of this day and hour that I should have my portion in the number of the martyrs in the cup of Christ unto the resurrection of eternal life, both of the soul and of the body. Amen? He does die but he doesn't die. You will face deliverance, brothers and sisters. And I would much rather face Jesus on that day and say, I stood my ground, Jesus. I stood my ground. And I don't believe in America, listen, that they're gonna burn us, right? We can have a martyr's complex in America. You might lose your job, 
right? Let's talk about the real concept. You might lose your job. You might lose your friends. You might, there's all sorts of real social suicide, right? There are things that could happen to us when we don't bow our knee. But those are painful too, and those are real sacrifices too, amen? In some ways, it's easier to say, I'd give up my life for Jesus. Would you give up your reputation for Jesus? Would you be that weird Christian that lives on the block, who who wakes up early and goes to church every Sunday, right? Would you be the one that just keeps worshiping Jesus, even if all of America casts Jesus off, you will stand for Jesus Christ. If other churches close their door, we will find one another and still bow our knee to Jesus alone, amen? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were never doing this because it was popular in Jerusalem, and now they're adjusting because they're in Babylon. They're doing it because they really believe it to you. We follow Jesus, and we anticipate his deliverance in this life, and especially in the next. We don't fear man. We fear God and him alone, and we worship God and him alone. Fire-quenching faith not only worships God, but anticipates deliverance. Let's look at our third and final point. Fire-quenching faith finds Christ. Finds Christ in the heat. Beginning in verses 19 to 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace." Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? The answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from The fire. Fire quenching faith finds Christ in the heat. This is incredible. You see the story where the king is enraged. He has them bound hand and foot. They're thrown in. They get the oven so hot, seven times hotter than normal, that even the individuals who throw them in actually are consumed by the flames and die. This fire is so hot, it likely could melt metal. That's how hot, and these furnaces can get that hot. By the way, they can melt metal in these furnaces, and they throw them in with their bindings. One, two, three, and they hit the ground, bound. And then they see the flames, and they see the shadows in the flames, and they see them unbound, and they see them walking in the fire. They were on their hands and knees, bound. Now they're, on, they're walking, but there's not three individuals anymore. 
There's a fourth individual in the fire and the king can't believe his eyes. He said, didn't we throw three of them bound in? I see a fourth one. And the King James translates it like the son of God. See something like an angel in there. And it's amazing. And the fathers looked at that and they said, this is none other than a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself in the fire. That the angel of the Lord, by the way, in the Old Testament often is God himself. They'll say the angel of the Lord said, and then they'll say God himself said that. So in this instance, I do believe this is a picture of Jesus before he is incarnated, entering in as the angel of the Lord in the fire, in the flames to rescue them in the heat of the world. Fire quenching faith finds Christ in the heat. Jesus meets us in the oven. There's a great quote by Matthew Henry. He says, those that suffer for Christ have his gracious presence with them in their sufferings. Even in the fiery furnace, even in the valley of the shadow of death, and therefore, even there they need fear no evil. Hereby Christ shows that what is done against his people, he takes is done against himself. Whoever throws them into the furnace does in effect throw him in. And I wanna broaden this for a moment, brothers and sisters. What is the heat in your life right now? Do you feel abandoned by Jesus in the midst of the fires that you're going through right now? Because Jesus has promised Matthew 28 to be with you and to be with us to the very end of the age. And when Saul was persecuting the church, remember what Jesus said to him on the road to Damascus. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's what Matthew Henry's picking up. When you take heat for Jesus Christ, Jesus is with you in the flames and in the fire. He is with you and he will protect you and preserve you and bring you through those flames unto either eternal life or victory. But either way, Jesus wins and you win in Jesus Christ. Amen? It's easy to say God is with me when things are going well. It's easy to say, I got the blessings of God, this hedge of protection around me when things are going good. But when the heat is turned up, do you have faith to see Jesus in the fire with you? Because he will never leave you nor forsake you. Even in the fire, Jesus is with you. And by the way, Jesus through the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So wherever you go, Christ is with you, especially in the heat. And so the hope that we see in this passage is that God promises to be with them and God is with them and he is with us in the fire and the flame. We sang that song earlier. I want to put some of the lyrics, another in the fire. It says, there's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be in this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there's a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. Jesus, brothers and sisters, has promised to be with you. And he has promised to rescue you from the flames in this life and especially the flames in the next. I want to invite the worship band back up as I wrap up this sermon and just ask you, Do you belong to Jesus? Because Jesus is only with you if you choose to bow the knee to Jesus. 
Jesus is not with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's not with the satraps and the prefects, and Jesus isn't with everyone. He's with those who have bowed their knee to him. If you trust in Jesus, Jesus will entrust himself to you. I think this picture of all the peoples and all the languages and all the nations bowing to the wrong thing. And at the end of our Bibles, we have a picture of every nation, every tongue, every worshiper under heaven from all the nations bowing the knee to King Jesus. You were made to bow a knee. You were made to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And if you bow your knee to Jesus Christ, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and he will always deliver you. Amen? But you must come to Christ today. Let's stand as we start to wrap up this sermon. I want to speak to those who haven't come to Christ and give you an opportunity to right now before we go to worship Jesus. And the image that came to my mind was actually our opening story where Joe, do you remember Joe was there and he's calling out to, to Claudia and she's saying, come, jump. And Claudia has enough faith, listen, to trust Joe with her daughters. She has enough faith to trust Joe with her dogs. She sees that Joe can save them, but when it comes to her, She's afraid. She's not sure if Joe can catch her. And I think there's some here this morning that you look to your left and to your right and you look at your friends and your family who have come to Christ and you say, Jesus could save them from the fire, but I don't know about me. I don't know if he could save me. She was afraid. And maybe you're afraid this morning. But in that moment, she had the courage to see the Savior, and that story was Joe, but in this story is Jesus, right? And jump out and find that his grip is secure and his promise is true. That Jesus will catch you and Jesus will rescue you, but he's calling you to jump. He's calling you to jump out of that window into his loving arms and into his embrace. And if you do that, Jesus has said his grip will never let you go. That all that come to him, he will never cast out and will never be cast into the flames. He will rescue you now and forever. Today could be the day where you jump into the arms of Jesus. Let's pray and give you an opportunity to do that right now. Please bow your head. If you have not given your life to Jesus, do not leave today without jumping to him. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That on our own, on the day of judgment, we deserve judgment and the fires. We don't deserve the mercy of God. And yet Jesus took those fires on the cross. He took our sin and canceled it on the cross to quench those flames so that you could be embraced into his loving arms. All you need to do is repent and place your faith in Jesus. If you'd like to do that, I'll lead you in a prayer of repentance right now. Is there one? Is there one today who'd like to pray to receive Christ? Just raise your hand. I see you. Who else? Don't let fear stop you. I see your hand up. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Who else? Claudia didn't want to come because she was scared. Don't let fear stop you. Jesus says, I got you. Don't worry. Is there another? I see you. 
For those who didn't raise a hand, but your hand is up in your heart, you pray this as well, all right? And for those who did, just pray this quietly in your heart. Jesus, thank you for taking the flames for me on the cross. Today, I leave my fear behind. I leave behind the fear of what people to my left or my right think. And I repent, Jesus, for bowing to other things in my life, worshiping other things besides you. Today, Jesus, I bow my knee to you and I jump to you. I jump into your arms and I pray, Jesus, that you would rescue me and save me from the fire. I thank you, Jesus, you promised never to leave me nor forsake me. Forgive me of all of my sins and give me the gift of everlasting life, I pray. And as I walk through trials in this life, Jesus, I thank you that now you promise to be with me and never leave me nor forsake me, that you will be with me in the flames. And for the rest of the church, God, we now turn our praise and our prayers to you, and we thank you. We thank you that you caught us, Jesus. We thank you that when we jump to you, your loving embrace wrapped yourself around us to protect us. We thank you that we never have to face eternal fires because you absorb them in yourself on the cross. And God, we give you all the glory and we bow our knee afresh to you this morning and declare that you alone are worthy of worship. As we sing this song to you, we declare that you are with us in every fire, in everything that we walk through, God. You alone are worthy. We thank you and we praise you and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people prayed. Amen.